Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Just before Easter on The Meeting House, I had the chance to talk with Charles Martin. He is known for his Christian fiction, but has also written about the stories of Jesus. He spoke with me about what he sees as the impact of the life of Jesus You'll be hearing from that conversation ahead. Then it's Eric Swithin of the Alliance for Ending the Fatherless Epidemic, sharing observations about fatherlessness in our nation, its effects, and his approach to equipping the Christian community to address it, including a recently released documentary film. And on this edition of The Intersection, with the 75th anniversary of the establishment of the modern-day nation of Israel approaching, Jeffrey Johnson of Israel Today Ministries discusses the significance of this event and the hope in Jesus, the Messiah, that it represents. Finally, Brandon Showalter of the Christian Post has done amazing work regarding the furtherance of the transgender agenda and the misguided attempts that are forced on young people to try to change their biological sex. His comments are ahead. This is the intersection of production of The Meeting House, and I'm Bob Crittenden. Charles Martin is well known for his ability to write novels that are rooted in faith and hope, but he has also written about the life of Jesus in several books. A new collection consists of stories from those books. It's called Son of Man, Retelling the Stories of Jesus. A Meeting House conversation during Easter week featured some of his comments relative to his fresh approach to these compelling stories. Here now from that conversation is Charles Martin. I write narratives. Or I, I try to, I take the true events in the life and ministry of Jesus, and I try to use Scripture to interpret the Scripture that we see. And so I'll, I'll write narratives or stories kind of around that, be it uh, the woman with the issue of blood, be it the paralytic, be it um, Bartimaeus at the gate in Jericho, be it Jesus' crucifixion, resurrection, whatever the story or the event might have been, I'm trying to take those places in Scripture that talk about it and write it as maybe, you know, from my view as the storyteller. Now, I'm also well aware of the admonition in Scripture that says in Revelation, it's really bad for anybody, anybody like me that comes along and adds anything to this Word. So I say up front, look, I'm Scripture's over here. Scripture says what it says, and it's very true, and I'm not trying to change that, but I am trying to Take what Scripture does say and put it together in a story that may say something in a way that strikes us differently. So I do it with a little bit of fear and trembling, but I've also kind of felt the freedom from the Lord, um, you know, to try and tell the stories in a way that help us see them maybe in a way that we haven't. Uh, I also, before I've turned any of these in, I, I give it to five people I know that are folks that I trust that know the Word better than I do. And I, I ask them, I say, look, here it is. Will you, does this strike you as off? Is, is, is there, hmm. on, is it, is it heretical? Is there, am I saying something in a way that I shouldn't? And so before my editor ever gets it, I, I kind of sort of feel like I've been through a, an editing process just with them in terms of, is it as true as I can get to Scripture, you know, and still tell the story? So that's a little bit of my process. Mm. 
Charles Martin is joining us today here on The Meeting House on Faith Radio. He has written this book called Son of Man, Retelling the Stories of Jesus. It actually is. It consists of material from two previous books, What If It's True? And They Turned the World Upside Down. So you talked about in the process of writing the book Long Way Gone, you really sensed that God was leading you to to tell stories about himself. Now, did that result in was what if it's true? Was it was that the first one of these books actually based on the scriptures, or what was it? The other one? No, you're right. It was it's what if it's true, and that that book really grew out of um, a walk for the past. I'm 53, and about almost somewhere between 15 and 20 years ago, I got together with just a bunch of ragtag, you know, <laughs> wretched, black-hearted sinners, <laughs> just like myself, a group of about 12 guys. And I said, hey, um, I think maybe we ought to get together and study this thing called the Word, because I think there's some stuff in here that it would probably shake some stuff loose, loose from us if we really believed what it said. And we, I think we really do need each other. So we got together, and th- th- this group of guys, if you had canvassed them, half of them or maybe a third of them would have said, look, I, I think there is a God, but this whole business about there being an enemy or Satan or devil, I just, I'm not buying it. So they, we had guys who believed and guys who didn't. And I said, okay, well, whatever, let's just get together and read this thing. And so we began really doing life together and looking at the word and asking the Lord to reveal to us himself, his purposes, his calling, his design, all of that through his word. And so We've done that now for, I, I think it's close to 20 years. But wow. anyway, because I was the one who called us all together, I, I sort of became the de facto teacher, which, requ- <laughs> which required that I actually get in this thing and try to figure out what it says and try and teach it to men who had really never spent time reading it. So one of the ways that I did that was to try and figure out how to tell the stories that bring us into the truth, you know, just like Jesus does. I mean, when Matthew 18, when he's talking about forgiveness and he gives the parable of the talents, on the surface, it deals with finances and, you know, 10,000 talents and 100 talents. and all. But uh, beneath the surface, he's talking about forgiveness. So anyway, I became the de facto teacher, uh, and I taught, you know, hundreds of times on all of this, us getting together and when it says in when Jesus says in Matthew ten, preach the word, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, heal the heal the sick, and raise the dead, we began looking at that, going, "Is he really talking to us? Like, is that really what we do?" So, what if it's true? Grew out of that. Um, they turned the world upside down. Was the natural follow up to it because we were still meeting, still getting together, and the Lord was still revealing Himself to us. So those two, while on the shelf, it may look like two books. To me, it's kind of just like one long story. Yeah, that makes sense. Charles Martin here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to charlesmartinbooks.com. Next up on this edition of The Intersection, it's the founder and executive director of the Alliance for Ending the Fatherless Epidemic. His name is Eric Swithin. In our recent conversation, he provided a Christ-centered perspective on fatherlessness and shared information about a film available on YouTube entitled The Fatherless Epidemic. Here now from that Meeting House conversation is Eric Swithin. If you look at the intersection of the vast majority of our societal ills, you're going to find at the very epicenter of most of our societal problems, fatherlessness. You're going to find a broken home. This is not a correlation 
this is a statistical causation. So I could give you a million stats. I mean, $80.7 billion last year were spent in taxes on prison expenditures. And 85% of prisoners in America come from a fatherless home or a broken home or an emotionally absent father home. And you look at crime, even sexual statistics, it's mind-boggling. Fatherless boys are 14 times more likely to become rapists. Fatherless girls are 900% more vulnerable to sexual abuse and rape. Fatherless men are 279% more likely to illegally carry a gun and deal drugs. Poverty, 47% more likely if you came from a fatherless home. Substance abuse, 75% more likely. School dropout, 71% more likely. I can go down the list from abortion to suicide. I can look at pretty much everything, statistically speaking, and I'm, I'm going to almost guarantee that there's some connection to a broken home. And when you have a broken home, you have a broken community. And when you have broken communities, you have a nation that's falling apart at the seams. Well, we recognize the spiritual dynamics. We know that there is an enemy. He is at work. You know that you have people that are not trusting God, trusting Christ with their lives. I mean, we we think about the the spiritual aspects of this fatherless epidemic. And tell me just how how you see that that we have, well, as we say, gotten into this mess. I use my military background um, to, I guess, understand what is taking place spiritually. And so I was a United States Marine, and I served uh, in the Iraq War. And we used a, an acronym called MPCOA. It's a counterintelligence acronym, and it stands for Enemies Most Probable Course of Action. And so what that does is it, it helps to analyze how the enemy might go about destroying you so that you can sort of head him off at the pass. Because if you can understand the enemy's strategy, then you know how to best thwart it. And it seems to me, and it makes sense, that God's design has always been for the family and for community. That's what he is doing, is building a family. So if he can go inside the family and take out the head of the family, which is the man, which is the daddy, which also skews the perception that that family has of a perfect loving daddy, and it also breeds brokenness in the kids who then go out into the world and breed brokenness in their families and in their communities, to me, that sounds like the perfect strategy. Mm. So I believe that Satan is at work trying to specifically take out men, specifically take out dads. And we even see that with Adam and Eve in the garden. That was a product of Adam being a passive man and not doing what he was supposed to do. Tell me how you make the presentation in this film, The Fatherless Epidemic. Well, I give credit to God. I was sitting on the porch. I'd just been told my biological father, who I reconciled with, was uh, dying of terminal cancer. And I, I give God the credit. I, I really believe he gave me this storyline and spoke to me and told me to do it. Um, so this is one of those movies you'll need a bag of popcorn, but you'll also probably need some Kleenex uh, to dry your eyes. And so it's not just a documentary that, that feeds you information. It tries to look at the problem of the fatherless epidemic from just about every single angle. 
and that includes from fatherless kids and from single moms and from single mom ministers and from youth pastors and from Native American reservation pastors and from inner city pastors. And, and so we really delve into the whole thing from just about every angle, but it also follows an actual storyline. So it's not fully a documentary. And that storyline is really a lot about my life and about my dad and, and how he's now walking through cancer and, and about to go meet Jesus face to face. Eric Swithin here on The Intersection. You can learn more about the Alliance for Ending the Fatherless Epidemic by going to fatherlessepidemic.org. The documentary website is fatherlessepidemic.movie. This is The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by going to the programming menu from the Faith Radio website at faithradio.org and clicking on the link to The Meeting House. When you arrive at The Meeting House homepage, you will find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on The Intersection Podcast and The Meeting House program. You can also find links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as its Apple Podcast feed. And you'll be able to watch video of selected Meeting House guests through the Faith Radio YouTube channel. A link is provided there. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page, Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can visit the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversations from the Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Search for Faith Radio Podcast at Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast platforms. The Intersection podcast continues now with the founder of Israel Today Ministries. His name is Jeffrey Johnson. He has written a book called Hope Rising, Messianic Promise. And with the 75th anniversary of the modern-day nation of Israel approaching, he discusses the significance of the event and the hope in Jesus, the Messiah, that it represents. Here now from that conversation is Jeffrey Johnson. Basically, because we live in a post-pandemic world since the pandemic, there is still a great uh, despair and fear and anxiety that uh, exists in virtually everyone's lives. And in, in Russia, China, North Korea, the Middle East, Ukraine, the United States, I mean, all this stuff, there are, the world is on its head. It's upside down. And so basically what this book is about, I, I, I start from uh, basic principles for, in Genesis. We travel through the whole Bible. We end up in what happens after you die, what when you breathe, breathe your last breath, but simply to bring hope and reassurance and to remind people of the hope that we have in Messiah. And I have been receiving all kinds of wonderful responses. People read this before they go to bed at night for their devotions and all kinds of encouraging emails and things of that nature we're receiving over this book. So at the bottom line is when you read this, it will remind us all of us, that our hope is in Messiah Jesus. And he said he would take us by the hand. Isaiah said he would walk with us along the way. 
he says, do not be afraid. I will help you. And he does. So the whole book addresses that theme. Throughout the entirety of the scriptures, we can see a beautiful story unfolding of God's faithfulness to his people. And if you would, share with us how you see that actually playing out. Oh, my. Well, you know, the center, okay, with regards to, for example, prophetic events, the key to understanding what God is doing doing in the world, you have to ask the question, what is God doing in Israel? And the Lord set it up. You know, the disciples said, Lord, tell us when you're coming back. Tell us about all these things. And 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 again, the Lord highlighted certain aspects of the latter days, latter years. But the key uh, to that is the restoration of Israel and through Israel, through the promised seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, came the Messiah who paid the ultimate price for our sins. And we're celebrating that. What I find fascinating, Bob, is the first prophet uh, is Moses, and he came with the message of the blood of the Lamb and redemption. Hmm. The last the last Old Testament prophet was actually John the Baptist. <laughs> he came not with the message of behold the king, though he is, behold he didn't say behold the Messiah, though you know, and he is, but he said, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. I find it fascinating. The first prophet mentioned it, the last prophet mentioned it, you know, the Old Testament prophet. And, you know, uh, and, and so the whole story is about that bloodline, that redemption. What did Jesus do on the cross? And he was the ultimate fulfillment uh, of that. And this is why he died and rose again on the third day. And there's a reason he rose on the third day, but that's another subject for another time, perhaps. You know? But that's the, that's, the, that's the thread throughout the Old and the New, the First and Second Covenant. It's all about redemption and God's love for people. And the key is Israel. What's going on in Israel? Then we can measure whether or not we're living in the last days or not. And mm. we are. Mm. So what should be our attitude as we recognize this? Oh, oh. Uh, my goodness, we should. Well, Jesus said, watch and pray. And, and Paul talks about our hope. And, you know, without hope, we, ha we, we have nothing. In Yeshua, in Messiah Yeshua, uh, Christ Jesus, we find this hope. In a world of despair and fear and uncertainty, we can find certainty in the person of Jesus. We can find comfort through Holy Scripture. And Jesus said, listen, when you see these things unfold, look up, your redemption is near. He says, watch and pray. Be faithful. Have hope. Do that thing we're called to do. And, and to have courage. Jeffrey Johnson here on The Intersection. You can learn more about the ministry by going to the website IsraelTodayMinistries.org. The Intersection continues now with Brandon Showalter, senior investigative reporter for The Christian Post. In our recent conversation, he provided an update on a recent panel discussion at First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas called Unmasking Gender Ideology, Protecting Children Confronting Transgenderism. 
He also mentioned an e-book he has co-written with Jeff Myers of Summit Ministries entitled Exposing the Gender Lie, How to Protect Children and Teens from the Transgender Industry's False Ideology. And in the course of our conversation, he mentioned a movie called Dead Name. Here now is some material from that conversation. This is Brandon Showalter. As a Christian, I am going to plant my flag on the hill of Genesis 127. Yeah. We are made male and female in God's image, and that is that is foundational. It's the first chapter of the Bible, and uh, I don't think you can get that wrong without getting the entire gospel wrong. And that's not because I want to be rigid with gender norms or say that boys can't like the color pink and girls can't like the color blue, or that you know girls can't be tomboys and boys can't prefer the arts. That's not what I'm saying at all. But when we recognize the goodness of how we made male and female, I think that is the pathway to freedom. And um, regardless of what anybody thinks, I think, Bob, it's, it's quite interesting to see, because let's say you're more of a social justice-oriented type of Christian. The idea that you would give a vulnerable child hormone blockers and then cross-sex hormones and then disfigure his or her body in pursuit of a physical impossibility if that isn't an example of the powerful exploiting the weak, you know, I don't know what is. And yet we see, you know, quote-unquote progressive Christians who are more than happy to drape their altars in rainbow flags and celebrate this kind of exploitation. I mean, it's just madness. And so there are so many angles at which you can approach this from a Christian worldview. Um, but I think sincere Christians, whatever your denomination, whatever your tradition— you need to recognize and have, um, as it says, you know, the spirit of the sons of Issachar who were able to discern the time, mm-hmm. and they knew what time it was and what to do about it. Well, I think you need to recognize that this is, I think, at the heart, at the root of what is coming against the Church of Jesus Christ today. And if you can't understand that this is an existential threat, the Lord Jesus Christ promised that the gates of hell will not prevail against the Church but that doesn't mean that the influence of the gospel might not be wiped out in a particular margin of the earth. It's a, it's a global promise, and you know God will advance his kingdom wherever, and there's a remnant of people in the nations of the world who I believe will continue to stand faithfully for the truth. But Christians especially have got to understand that this is not just a secondary or a, doctri- or a tertiary doctrinal difference. Mm. This is not just an agree-to-disagree issue. Being made male and female in God's image is absolutely crucial because it's you know, the gospel is about the redemption of the body, and the transgender industry's you know marketing and performing of you know body altering surgeries and the sterilizing drug treatments that they're they're giving to young children is I think some of the worst exploitation and abuse that the world has ever seen. I say that because unlike previous medical scandals, Bob. Uh, that they weren't marketed to our youth in the language of identity. Young people today are being marketed this horrible, horrible medicalization as though it is the pathway to becoming their authentic selves. And they're becoming mired in this scandalous medical, you know, apparatus while also being brainwashed, concurrent with this brainwashing that somehow the the taking of these drugs and undergoing these surgeries is somehow going to help them become who they truly are. And so it's the inverse. It's the inverse of uh, the Christian faith, which which says unashamedly that God is the one who makes us new, and he renews us from the inside out. He gives us a new heart, and we become a new, you know, our, all of us, our, our flesh becomes redeemed. We are on the pathway of redemption by inner work, 
that God, as he transforms our lives by receiving him as our Savior and our Lord, by the power of his shed blood, that is what transforms us, not by undergoing a transformation, if I may use mm. that word, by, by way of surgery and drugs. Um, it's the absolute inverse of our faith, and I think we need to see it in those stark terms if we're going to understand what we're up against as a church. Comments from Brandon Showalter here on The Intersection. You can learn more about the ebook he has co-written with Jeff Myers of Summit Ministries by going to christianpost.com slash ebook slash gender dash lie. Also, you can learn about the Dead Name documentary by going to deadnamedocumentary.com. You can also find Brandon through the Christian Post website at christianpost.com. We're about to conclude this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by going to the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast. There are links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as its Apple podcast feed. You can also find a link to the Faith Radio YouTube channel where you can watch video clips of Meeting House guests. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info or you can go to the programming menu at faithradio.org and click on the Meeting House link. Thanks for joining me for this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.